Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. Michelle Glagovic is the podcast matchmaker, an award-winning publicist, host of the My Simplified Life podcast, and author of How to Get on Podcasts, and it is available today and just out. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being with us, and welcome. Thank you, Claudine. I'm so excited to talk to you. So there's so many things we can talk about, and I I definitely want to have you back to talk about more things, but you're a (laughs) book publicist, and we have an audience who is very interested in marketing their book, and your podcast is very popular, and it might be something that authors are thinking about starting. So I was wondering if you could tell us about your podcast, how and why you started it. Yes. So in 2018, I did not even know how to listen to a podcast. I didn't know that the purple button on my iPhone was how you listened. I knew that there were podcasts out there, but I didn't know how to actually access them. And I happened to be on a journey of what's next. I'd been laid off from my corporate career where I sold jet fuel to corporate flight departments for 18 years. And I had two tiny humans at home and I thought, what is it that I can do where I can stay at home, not travel, still make money and be with them and really do something that betters the world for them? I I really wanted that mama bear instinct came out of, you know, what can I do to change the world for them? And a friend from my birthing class with my son said, there's a life and business coach who's got a podcast coming out. I think you might enjoy it. I was like, but I don't know how to listen. And <laughs> once I figured that out, I was listening and she was talking about everyone has a purpose and a passion. And that was the journey I wanted to go on. And she ended up reaching out to me and asking if I wanted to pitch her to be on other podcasts. I didn't even know this was a possible thing. And I dove in. And as I learned everything there was about podcasts, how to produce them, how to pitch clients to shows, I thought, why not launch my own? Because this is a great way for my voice to be recorded, to have for my children as you know, part of my legacy of what did I think about every topic. And I really, I'm, I'm very vocal, so I speak my opinions on it. But then it also became kind of selfish of who do I want to talk to? I can approach them by saying, I have my own show. I'd like to interview you. And I've gotten to know amazing people that have turned into friendships. You know, I get advanced copies of books. And as a reader, I love that. And it's become this this true passion project for me that I love being able to talk to people, to get to know their stories. And ultimately, that's what podcasts do is they allow us to get to know other human beings and their stories. We get to be inspired, motivated, taught, all of these things for free. And that's truly why I love podcasts in general. It's why I have my show so that I can bring all of these other people and guests, you know, to listeners who wouldn't otherwise get to talk to them or hear them. And you get to feel that connection of now I know the person. I feel like I truly get to know someone. And when it comes to authors, I also feel that's very important. Growing up, I was you know, an author was the celebrity to me, and they they still are. My prized possessions are all of the autographed books I have on my bookshelf. But to get to talk to an author, to hear who they are, what their story is, and connect on that human level is something that as a reader, you don't normally do unless you go to a book signing and, you know, meet them in person. 
And when COVID hit, nobody was doing book signings. So that really took away that platform for authors and enter podcasts. This is why it's so great because we get to connect with authors, other human beings, hear their stories, and and ultimately get to know them simply as people. So you have, you have many, many episodes. You're in the hundreds. or th- 213 comes out this week, yes. Wow, that's amazing. So you've been at this for a very long time. Was it something that you were good at to start, or was it something that you, you know, evolved? Uh, it's both. I think apparently I have a podcast voice. When I recorded my intro and played it for my kids were toddlers at the time and my husband and they all looked at me and went, who's that? It's me. It's mommy. And they're like, "Mm, doesn't sound like you, but it, it, it is me. I don't have a certain voice, but it comes across a little differently on the microphone. And I did, you know, it took some time to get down the interviews and be comfortable to, I scripted my solo episodes in the beginning. I would type it all out. It took forever. And then I would read from it and you couldn't tell that I was reading, but now I'm like, well, I'll just do off the cuff because if I'm typing it out, then, you know, obviously this is all what I would say anyway, when it comes to interviews, I tried the scripted questions at first, and then I I threw it out the window. I'm like, you know, let's just show up. It's like having a cup of coffee, see where the interview goes, and just converse like we would otherwise. Otherwise, it's too much, you know, we're going to go down this path. And I don't formulate questions unless there's something that's just burning inside of me of, I want to know this. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I agree completely. But in terms of the uh, actual setting up the podcast, was there a platform that you found helpful? Did you try a few, like the logistics? Because a lot of authors, you know, and when it comes to bookmarking, they're like, oh, the technical stuff is is really scary. As a guest, it's very easy. Um, You know, get a microphone. You can get, I, I gift all of my clients the toner USB microphone. It's like $30 on Amazon. I personally use a Yeti, which is tricky because the actual microphone parts in the side of the microphone, so you don't speak on top. And so often you will see that people tilt it and I cringe, I'm like, stop tilting it. That's not where the microphone is. Don't touch it. <laughs> yes. A good set of headphones, you know, if you can have a ring light just in case there's video um, and it makes you look good. I have a ring light webcam that's HDLR, again, off Amazon. I actually posted all these in a Substack, my gift holiday gift guide for podcast guests and hosts, uh, because you can do this for under $100. And it's very simple. Uh, you know, your setup, I recorded my episodes for the first, oh my gosh, well over a hundred in my closet <laughs> because the sound was good. Yep. So, you know, I recommend that once you get your setup, start testing it and play it back, figure out where the best sound is. It's going to be weird and uncomfortable because you want to be like on top of the microphone, get yourself a pop filter. But, you know, ultimately once you have the setup done, then you don't have to worry about it again. It's a one and done. So I say practice as much as you can. Do sample recordings, play it back, listen, move things. You know, it doesn't have to be hard. Nice. Okay. So, and in terms of the platform where you oh, upload? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I use Libsyn. I, I experienced them very early on and I loved that they were so personable. Anytime I would have a question I get a, an answer from a, a VP and I thought, wow, this is incredible, you know, that they actually respond. They're very helpful. So I am a true fan of Libsyn. Um, 
I've used them. I've dabbled in different recording platforms. I'm now on Riverside. I've used Zencaster. Um, you know, it it varies. They all have glitches at certain times. Uh, I do like, again, the customer service on Riverside, that they're very helpful when all of a sudden a recording did not upload and you're scrambling, where did it go? And it's not on my computer. And, you know, th- there was feedback and stuff, and they are more than willing to help you out and to really connect with you. So I appreciate that very much. Yes. And this is something that you teach authors. So if there's an author out there who's listening, who's saying, I really want to do a podcast, but I need someone to teach me how to do it. Is that something that you offer in terms of your services? I will guide you through it. I will not produce the shows for you anymore. That is (laughs) no thank you. Uh, And I have a lot of resources. I can, I have guides on how to get started, what you need, um, those types of things. I have uh, referrals that I can hand out on editing and whatnot, because I figured out that was something I didn't enjoy. So if you don't enjoy doing it, hand it off to someone else, because otherwise it's going to take you a long time. You're going to get frustrated and, and simply not stick to it. Gotcha. Okay. And and again, you can reach Michelle at her, her website, Michelle Glogovac, G-L-O-G-O-V-A-C.com. And she's got her services on her website. So so you did really well with your podcast, and now it has turned into a book and a motion picture. No, I'm just kidding. It, it's turned into... <laughs> That's the turned, next book. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. It's turned into a, a book. So tell us about the book. Our, our listeners are very interested in the book publishing journey. So I interviewed Jenny Nash, the book coach, and it became a hot seat type of interview, which is why I love podcast interviews. And I said, I really want to write a book, but I don't know what to write it on. And her suggestion was to write your first book on what you are known for. What can you do? What do you do? What do people know you for? And that's obviously podcast pitching. It's what I do. And so I took that to heart and I sketched out my 10 chapters of this is what I want included. I had downloaded her blueprint, her outline. And so I had really a skeleton of what I wanted to put out there. And I hired a book coach that was certified by Jenny's team. And I worked with her, Gretel Hackinson. We worked together for three months. I had said that I'm not bringing you on for six months because I want this book written and I want to do it quickly because I feel passionate that it needs to be out there now. I didn't want to wait and wait and drag it out. So In those three months, I wrote the book proposal. It was about 70 pages with the first two chapters, the marketing plan, the book comps, the bio, everything that was included. And then the query letter, which was easy for me to write because it's pitching yourself. And that's basically what I do for clients every day. So that was an easy write. Um, And part of the agents that I queried I went through my bookshelf of which books are similar in regard to what they do. You know, I I wasn't looking at any of the novels on my bookshelf. It had to be a nonfiction. And I went to the acknowledgement section and saw who is the agent. And if I knew the author, which most of them I I did, I would connect to the agent in that way. Hey, I've interviewed so-and-so and I see that you're their agent and I have a book that you know, has the same kind of feel to it that I I would like to publish. And as I queried, I I only queried about 10 agents. And I know that some query hundreds and it, it, 
I feel so bad when I say I, I queried 10 and I got one. Um, and we worked together more on editing the proposal. I then continued writing the book in the background while she went to pitch. And we landed with McGraw-Hill. And that was uh, earlier this year. So in 2023, my editor was amazing. But then with all things in publishing, there's changes. And my agent ended up uh, quitting. She found a job as an editor at another publisher. So I went to the agency owner as my agent. And then my editor at McGraw-Hill was laid off. <laughs> so I lost both of the, the two key people on my team within two weeks, actually. And then uh, McGraw-Hill is not publishing business books after the first of the year. So my book was one of the last ones to be coming out with McGraw-Hill in, in this regard. So... It, it, it's been a whirlwind. It was very quick. We've changed my pub date three times, but finally January 17th was the final date. And it, it's just, it's been plugging along of, you know, getting it done, getting it out there. And I'm I'm excited that it, it's finally come to fruition. Yeah. I tell, tell us about the book. What's in the book? What are so what it, people learn? You will learn how to create your speaking topics that are unique. You will learn how to create your media kit, the pitch, how to research podcasts, how to show up as a great guest, and then how to thank your host by repurposing your interviews into greater marketing content to build your brand. And while you're doing all of this, I'm also sharing in each chapter what the podcast host is also up to so that you can get an idea and a feel for how much work goes into an episode. And then the whole book is compared to a dinner party where you are the guest and the podcast host is your dinner host and they're inviting you into their home, which is the podcast show and really how you show up as a good guest, whether it's a dinner party or it's a podcast, it's the same thing. And so I, I take you on that journey as well because I love dinner parties and happy hours and that just totally fit. <laughs> what a great hook. I love that. What a great way to present it. That's awesome. I don't want it to seem like it's a how-to boring type of book because I give a lot of, my editor said she read it and she goes, I felt like I know you now. Like you give so much of yourself. So I, I hope that comes across in the book. Oh, that's so exciting. That good, good for you. And and it's great um, glimpse into how it can go when you do the traditional route. I loved how you looked in the acknowledgments acknowledgments page of other books that you felt were like yours. That's a tip that I give authors all the time. And I think you, in terms of finding an agent, you narrowed things down, you know, a lot by by actually finding agents who like to, um, you know, cover those types of authors. I mean, that that helps a lot. And I also stalked them, just as I was telling <laughs> you, I'm a, I'm a stalker at heart. I love doing my research. And there was one in particular, I had researched her, I googled every agent, I didn't just go to their wish list, you know, I really looked at who they were. And one of them I found was a rower in college. I was the coxswain on my rowing team in college. So my opening line was, oh my gosh, we both rowed in college. This is so cool. And that actually was the hook that got her to respond because she said, how did you find that? I don't know anywhere on the internet that this is but you found that. And I went, well, that's kind of what I do. Yes. <laughs> I research people. So yes, this is, if if I can find that on you, imagine what the book teaches people as well. She's not my agent, but we made a friendship. So that's yeah. what counts. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, connection is everything in this business. 
Yes. For sure. For sure. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what, let me see, I want to do the services. I think I want to talk about the services at the end, but there, when you listen to Michelle's podcast, and again, it's titled uh, My Simplified Life, there are so many different subjects that she talks about and you can scroll through and you can just the titles are so good and you can tell she's a publicist because she knows how to tag tag a line tag lines and and how to you know title things properly you can kind of pick and choose what you're in the mood to listen to and I love that and the one that really hit me and especially as the new year is coming around and that is how do you find time for yourself how do you prioritize your your own time and you in one of the podcast episodes and maybe you can tell me which one it was and I can I can um, connect to it in the show notes but you talk about how you were recognizing that other people were really good at scheduling you and mm-hmm. once you recognize that you were able to say well wait a minute I I really need to focus on the things that I want to do and I was hoping that you could share that story, but also how you were able to pivot and and change things so that your time was your time again. I think there's a number of episodes that I talk about it because it's been a constant learning journey. You know, when I had my kids, it was all about them. You know, I would take them to play dates and we'd be at the park. And this was also the time where I was launching my business. And so I would be half watching, half talking to other moms while also on my phone, you know, doing some work. And one mom had said to me, you know, why are you, why are you doing this? Like they're, they're young and they're, they're here, but why are you working on a business? And I said, well, because I can start small now. And eventually this is a fact. They will go to kindergarten. They are going to leave and go to school. Every single one of these children on the playground will go to school. And then I will be at home going, oh, now I should launch my business, but I won't be because I will have already launched it small enough and now I can scale and build on the groundwork that I already laid. So my intention was never to get big while they were on the playground. My intention was start small, figure it out, make my mistakes. And then once they go to school, I can have all of the hours that I need, that I want, and I can work as much. And so that's exactly what I did in that regard. You know, we also talk about self-care and, you know, you've got to put your mask on before the others in the airplane. And I really, I didn't even get that until I was a mom. And then I figured out that there's actually four masks in a row and it's because you can have a lap child. And so you need four (laughs) because there could be four people. And you don't get these things until you actually become a mom and you have a child sitting on your lap. And you go, oh, yes. You know, but it, it is important to take time for yourself, however it is that you take time. But then there's also the, you know, the work-life balance. That's nonsense. There's no such thing as balance. I define it as being fully present in whatever moment that you were in. So as I'm here talking to you, I am all in with you. I am not, you know, checking text messages. I am not looking at my emails. I'm not thinking, oh, I got to go get the kids from school or something like that. I'm present in this moment now. When I'm with my kids, I am fully present with them. Yeah, I'll check my emails, you know, I'll scroll, but at dinner time, there's no phone at the table. We are fully present and we're there. And that's really a big part of it. Um, another one as a business owner, I block off 
and this is funny because today's a Monday as we're recording this, but I block off Mondays and Fridays from taking any kind of client meetings or calls. So that way I can dedicate myself to my business, to all of the emails, to pitching myself, to pitching clients, to whatever I need to do. I do not take calls on Mondays and Fridays unless it, for some reason I have to. And I've had, I had one actually mom at school who was launching her business and she was appalled that I would be so selfish and, and block those days. And I said, but you come from the corporate world where that really isn't allowed. Welcome to owning your own business where you can actually do what you want and you don't have to apologize for it. People understand if I say I can't take a meeting because I'm in my child's classroom, I have never had anyone say, I can't believe you're volunteering in your kid's classroom. Mm -hmm. Nobody says that. Mm -mm. It is what it is. So stop apologizing for it. Don't feel guilty for it. Show up where you need to show up. And that's really, you know, what this whole time thing is of, you know, right now I want to work on my next book. Well, how do I do that as I'm, you know, trying to get publicity for my current book and I'm in, we're in the middle of the holiday season and we have all of these things going on. Well, I've started taking my laptop to the couch and when everyone wants to watch sports or a holiday movie that I've seen a hundred times, I type away and I'm still there and I'm present, but I'm spending the time that I need to on what I want to get done. So I think it's all about how we we focus on what is it we want to get done. You know, no excuses of I don't have time to write. I don't have time to market the book. I don't have time to do this. You can make the time. You know, I watch a lot of reality TV. Is it necessary? No, <laughs> but that's also what the DVR is for, you know. So I, I make time for myself to watch an hour of Real Housewives when I, I need that escape, but it's not necessary if I want to get another book out there, then I need to make that time to do that. You know, it's funny. You said a whole lot there. Um, I, <laughs> I imagine that you were a fan of Mad Men when it was out, the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there, mm -hmm. there was always a few times when... Don Draper, who was the head of marketing, <laughs> would at Cooper Sterling. Yeah, clearly I've got a problem. Um, he would go to the movies in the middle of the day. And it was a way for him to spark creativity. It kind of was a, mm -hmm. it was a purposeful blocking out of, you know, everything else that was going on. And he always came up with good, good ideas after he went to a movie. And I think of that when you know, I think about time management. And to, to your point as well, I own my own business as well. And my family members, it occurred to me once, you know, my husband will come home and I'll say, hey, what'd you do today? I could tell him that I did anything and he'd believe me like, or I could do nothing and say, yeah, I did something. And he wouldn't know the difference. Think about that for a minute, right? Right. Because right. it's not, you know, you're not on, you're making your own schedule and you're doing your own thing. And, um, but it is funny to me in this business how, what, I, what I've recently realized is that some other people have the talent of putting things on me to do for them. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, okay, I, I was just a part of something and now I'm being asked to promote it for them. You, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, okay, well, I, I, I need to value that. I need to take a minute and say, because if I do that for them, then I'm taking time away from me. But it's also a skill to be able to ask somebody to promote you too. And that's what yes. I like about the podcast because it's a win-win in that situation. Right. 
Yeah. As you say that, I'm thinking of the the clients who have all of a sudden say, you know, can you send me a reminder on, on this interview? Can you, and what? you're, I, I think, well, I'm not your admin. Yeah. Um, and if you need a reminder, you should use your calendar and I will come back with, well, you know, on the calendar invitation, you can actually edit it to, to send you a reminder, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you need, because really that's not my job. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you need an admin, you need an admin. I don't have anyone sitting here saying, Hey, at eight 30, you have a podcast and you have another one at 10 and, and you have this client meeting. No one's telling me that I have to babysit myself and I'm not here to babysit anybody else. Yep. Uh, and you had mentioned people scheduling me and I didn't even get to that part. Right. <laughs> but I, last year I was doing all the things I was on the PTA. I was volunteering for our mayoral candidate. I was, um, on mom's demand action. I was sending postcards to, you know, p voters. I was doing a lot on top of my business, on top of writing the book. And then I ended up in July of 2022 in the hospital with a pulmonary embolism. Stop it. Mm -hmm. And as I got out of that and fully recovered, I said, you know, what? it's going to be the year of stepping back. And I gave everyone deadlines of I'm no longer going to do this. I'm not going to volunteer. I'm not going to be on your board. I'm I'm taking a step back, but I'm going to write down everything that I do. I'm going to hyperlink things. I'm going to give you a process. So I'm not leaving high and dry. I'm giving you time to replace me. I'm giving you all the resources, but I have to step back for my health, for my family and to be here. And that was when people said, well, can't you just do this? Oh. Couldn't you just take this part on? And I went, no, because wow. if I just do this, you will just add more. And I can't just do this because in ABC, there's also DEF that needs to be included. And it's not a just do part of it type of thing. And it, it was incredible how much pushback I got on me saying no, whereas there are plenty of other people who just didn't raise their hand in the first place. Yes. So that was a big part yes. of this past year of saying no. I'm I'm not going to do that. Good for you. I and I, I don't want to go down a bunny trail, but it's such a good bunny trail. Hop hop hop. <laughs> so what I I worked as a um I helped out with a library book sale, and I loved it because I love books just like you do. We have so much in common. Mm -hmm. Love books, especially old books, especially books that have signatures in them that people didn't know that they had signatures <laughs> in them. Anyway, so uh, I worked this book sale for three or four years at the local library. And one year they ended up um, giving the helm, you know, had, heading it by this young man. He was still in high school. And everybody thought, oh, my gosh, this is great. A high school student, he's going to run the book sale. At that point, I was just, um, I was just the um, helper. And I had done it the year before, so they were saying, can you guide him? And I said, well, you're going to need volunteers to get the books from the warehouse where we were storing them, you know, to the library. And the volunteers are going to be there first thing in the morning, and you want to greet them and tell them exactly what to do. Well, this boy, man, man boy, he had a um, a, a background in, in, in leadership positions. I think it was Boy Scouts, maybe, or Eagle Scout, whatever. And he goes... Well, I can't be there because I have a college interview and that trumps the book sale. And if the, the volunteers need their hands held, then that's really on them because at this point they should really know what to do. And, you know, these things have a way of getting done. I wanted to throttle the kid. And I'm like, dude, yeah, things have a way of getting done because the people who do overdo 
And due to mm-hmm. the point where, like you're saying, they get sick or they're, you know, losing their minds and their mental health and the whole shebang. And people like you only think of themselves. But I do I do think sometimes that there there are folks out there that it's really hard for them to um, speak up and say, you know, no, I, I can't, you know, add this onto my plate. And how, how good did it, did it feel, Michelle, when you finally got the hang of saying no and had all those things off your plate. It's so nice because I was also, I am still the Boy Scout leader and the Girl Scout leader. And yet I switched this year where I said, I I will lead in the sense that I will tell everybody what meetings we have to cover. I will lead the first meeting. I will be the certified person, fingerprinted, background check. But Every parent who has a child involved needs to lead an actual meeting. You will take on the planning. It comes out to one time in the entire year that you need to do something. And I will be present, but I can't plan and lead. And every other parent has said, okay, no problem. And other packs and dens have said, well, wait, they did? You you can do that? I'm like, yeah, you just tell them, this is what I need you to do. (laughs) And you do it. And you either take on the one meeting or I step back and now somebody has to do it all themselves. So I found that when people, when you phrase it like that, of can I just have your help for one single thing and we all collectively help each other, people will step up because they'd rather help out the one time than somebody now has to take it up all themselves. And it's much easier to take on one month than it is to do an entire year by yourself. So you know, you can be creative in in how you say no as well and still be present and show up and do the volunteer stuff, but you don't have to do it all on your own. Right. That's, <laughs> excuse me. Such a great lesson. And speaking of help, you were on another podcast episode and you were talking to a gal who's created a Trello uh, social media scheduling oh, type Cindy. product. Mm-hmm. And, and I know my listeners would love to hear about that. Would you mind sharing that? Yes, Cindy Zaweski. Uh, her company is Ascent, and she is a former journalist who does social media planning, um, organizing, and I love her Trello board. I'm a big fan of Trello. I use it every single day for every client. And she offers you prompts based on the pillars of your business, of your content, and how they fit into things and it, she's got, you know, the different holidays throughout the year. Did you know there's actually national holidays basically every day of the year? That does um, not surprise me, but I don't know what they are. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you can Google them. But in her Trello board, she has all of them laid out for you. And then she gives you prompts of, you know, why don't you tell your business story? And then if you tell your business story, you know, how do you break it down in four different ways to post about it in four different types? So it's much easier than sitting at your desk going, what am I going to post today? What, you know, it it feels like uh, it can be so much homework and just a job. And she makes it so easy. I absolutely love her Trello board and her prompts and and her content strategies. She's she's definitely one to to check out. And I can send you the links so you can post those as well. That would be awesome because you know part of the problem I think with no part of the problem I know with book marketing is that authors feel like I just want to write. And now you're telling me I have to bookmark it. And now book marketing is a whole other discipline that I have to learn. And not only that any of the individual things I could do to market my book, I got to learn that too. And oh my gosh, I'm only one person. I don't have time 
to learn all this stuff and it's very intimidating. And with that type of tool, you can do one thing at a time and it can make you feel that you have like a little bit of control at least over that aspect of it. And I'm wondering if you have any words of wisdom from that standpoint um, about your time and, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day and you can only do what you can do. How can you prioritize as an author what to focus on with book marketing? I think that podcasts are actually great. And this is why, because listen to what you can do with one episode. You show up for your 30 minutes and you are simply talking to another human being. So you don't have to go on a stage. You don't have to go up in front of a group of people. You're just talking to one other person and it's a conversation. And I tell all of my clients and the approach that I take is that we're not promoting your book per se. We're letting listeners get to know you on a personal level. And then they're going to fall in love with you. And at the end of every show, every interview, the host will say, well, where can people find you? How can they buy your book? And then you get to promote, these are the links to do that. And then they'll want to go buy your book, to download your resource, whatever it is. You can then take that interview and create social media posts around it. You can create a post that announces you were on a podcast and put the cover art on it. You can pull quotes from yourself that you said and create graphics on that. You can create a blog post around the show notes and embed the media player onto your website so somebody can come visit your website. They can read about the interview you did and listen to it right there on your website and the host still gets the download. There's a ton of different ways to create social media content from one podcast interview. And if you create an advance templates, I use Canva. I love Canva for then you can plug and play of, you know, here's the cover. I'm just going to drag that in. I'm going to change the episode title, just doing that. And then you also have it stick to your brand. It makes it so much easier and simple. And that's really where the whole simplified stuff comes in of creating a process around it. I have in my Trello board for every episode that goes live, whether it's for my show or I've been interviewed, there's a checklist. You know, did you write a blog post on it? Is it a pin on Pinterest? Did you get it on your stories? Did you get it in your post? Did you put it in the newsletter? Did you put it on Facebook? Did you tweet about it? Did you put it on threads? There's a whole checklist of places. And so that to me is a process of, okay, here's where I have to go. And I already have templates in Canva that I can plug and play, download it and throw it up and schedule it. So it's a great use of your time because you just got a whole plethora of social media content from a 30 minute interview and it doesn't get easier than that. Yeah. And that's also how your podcast grows organically. Yes. Yes. And how you, how your brand grows. It's it's really how word of mouth gets out there, you know, for you to have your own episode takes a lot of, or your own show takes a lot of work because you have to promote that. You have to find the listeners. Whereas if you're guesting on another show, then there's already an established audience. And so these are new people that you don't have to organically reach. You're reaching them. You're already a trusted source because if the host has extended their trust to you, then now it's automatically kind of assumed that you are the trusted source for all of the listeners too, as well. Absolutely. That's so great. So I know you've written a whole book about how to get on podcasts called How to Get on Podcasts. I was wondering if you might give us a peek behind the curtain and give us one, one way that someone might get on someone else's podcast. 
first of all, you need to be unique in your speaking topics. Be very specific. Uh, and I give within the book different categories of speaking topics. And I, I name them and I relate them to really your friends. Like you have the friend that you've known since childhood and, and that's your personal journey story. So that's your topic around that. And I, I also shout out all the friends that fit these categories for me. You know, you have your timely and relevant ones of what's in the news that you can speak on that you're an expert on. So getting specific on your topics, but then in your pitch, it needs to be unique as well. You should be researching the podcast that you are pitching to. Look the host up, stalk them if you can, relate to an episode, listen to an episode or two, not the most recent one, because I think that's just lazy. Scroll, see what else there's been. You know, it also shows that you've done your homework so that you're not pitching the same topic that they've already had on their show as well. Uh, and really relate to them. Let the host know what is it you liked about their show. Be specific on it. Uh, you know, there's always a, a small copy and paste aspect. I, I say in the two or three cent bu sentence bio and the hyperlinks of where you've been. That's not going to change. But you don't want to copy and paste of Hi Claudine, I like your show. I think I'd be a great guest. That is so boring. It shows that you have done no homework. You don't know what the show's about you know, why is it that you'd be a great guest? What are the listeners going to gain from hearing from you? And why is it that you are the person to speak on the topic that you're speaking on? These are all things that will get to the yes. And then the other tip I would say is follow-up. There's an art and follow-up. Be politely persistent. That is what I've been told I am. Um, you know, I let, I let the host know that I'm following up and then I do one more and I say, this is the last time I'm checking in. And so they know it's going to be done and over, but oftentimes it's in the follow-up because hosts have full-time jobs. We are not sitting here pining away for the next guest pitch. We're actually doing a, a job and then we have this on the side. So to think that they need to answer within you know 24 hours is absurd. Give them two or three weeks at least, and that's in between the follow-ups as well. Uh, I've received many pitches. I have a, fold, a folder called bad pitches. And in the book, I include samples of the bad pitches and ba bad follow-ups that I receive. So you can see the good and the bad. That's so funny when you say, okay, this is, this is going to be the last one. So they know it's the end. I mean, so that's, yeah, you know, that's comforting. End. It's the end. But that actually had happened with us. And I, um, and it wasn't that I, I love the pitch. I just, it, it would happen on a day that I was super busy and I had five other emails that I had to address. And thank goodness I got another one, another shot at it. So you're absolutely right. It gives you the opportunity to say, oh, goodness, thank goodness they're reminding me because that is something that I wanted to follow up on. Yeah, I leave my messages unread and yet they still trickle to the bottom as yes. other ones come in. <laughs> yep. Yep. Same, same here. So tell us about what you plan for the podcast, My Simplified Life in the coming year? More guests, you know, more of my opinion on what's going on in the world. Nice. <laughs> more tips around, you know, by, by then next year, the book will have launched. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I like to be an open book myself. So I will share the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, what is it that I've learned? What helped me? behind the scenes, all of that, you know, what's next um, and, and guests galore. I, I love 
all of the guests that I've had on, if they have a book, I read them cover to cover. So we will see what new reads I, I discover next year as well. Fantastic. And do you have a next book in mind? You mentioned something about wanting time to write the next book. Yeah, I'm working on a novel and it's, yes, we will see where it goes, but I am very excited that I am like, oh, I want to write this. And the ideas pop in my head and, you know, yes, we're, so far I'm uh, about 4,000 words in. So wow. at least it's flowing. <laughs> and and do, do, oh, I'm, I'm pushing here. Do you want to share the genre? It's, it's going to be a woman's fiction and kind of a play on real housewives, desperate housewives, um, uh, like reality TV, where it's actually, I am pulling some real life examples and then fictionalizing a lot of it as well. <laughs> Fun. That's, that's awesome. Good for you. So the other last thing I wanted to cover was, and it was another episode that I listened to. And you talked about help for authors, and you, you gave this really endearing, genuine pitch to people who read books and how they can help authors. And I'm wondering if you would mind sharing that with, with my audience, because I think it's just a great reminder. We're all, all a lot of writers, most writers are readers too, and we, we read other authors' books. And how can we pay that forward? First of all, pre-ordering is great. Leaving reviews, you know, you can leave a Goodreads review ahead of the pub date. When the book comes out, leave a review on Amazon too. I I simply copy and paste my reviews. So I'm not rewriting a review. I'm just going, oh, the book came out today. Let me go to my Goodreads, copy it, paste it, done. And it literally takes 30 seconds. But sharing it on your social media, you know, tag the author, say, I read this book. I loved it. It was so great. If you don't have the physical copy, go download, screenshot the cover of it. You know, I love to get creative when when I have a client whose book is coming out and I'll make a graphic, you know, on Canva and make it a video or something and share that. But, you know, I, I also my, my new favorite tendency is I will take the book cover and kind of recreate the cover myself. So there was one Super Bloom by Meg Tatey where the um, the character has cucumber eye covers and she's got her, a towel in her hair and she's got a bathrobe. And so I literally got in my bathtub and I had my seven year old take a picture of me with cucumbers over my eyes, <laughs> my hair in a towel, reading the book and her and her publisher were like, this is incredible. We nice. love it. And they posted it and reposted it. But it it's fun. You can make it fun and just truly share, you know, tell people about it. And for you to tell people it's the best feeling in the world for an author that you've read the book, you appreciate it, and you want to tell others about it. If you have a newsletter, tell people in the newsletter, you know, just simply tell people, give the book as a gift. Simple things where if you can't afford to purchase it, that's okay, but you can afford to freely word of mouth promote it. And that that's a big deal for an author. Yeah. And you mentioned in, in one of your posts that you, um, the picture that you put on Instagram actually sold the book. Somebody wrote a comment saying, I went and, and, and sold that book. And wow. Yes. I mean, you don't realize how powerful so many it times. is. So many times I will get someone who replies back to me, even in my stories, whether it's a post or a story of, oh, you recommended it. So I went out and I, I ordered it. And I'm like, you know, that that's a big deal. And my tell my seven-year-old as well, you took this picture of me reading this book and people have gone out and bought the book because of your picture that you took. So you ultimately have helped the author as well 
in selling their book and promoting it. And that's a big deal. You know, we, we should really don't take that lightly as the person who's posting it, as the author who's seeing this, it sells books. It truly does. And, you know, endorsing it, people know what I like to read. I'm an open book on what I like to read and what authors I I interview. And so if I say this book is really good, then I mean it. And if you like the same types of books, then you know, you're going to love this read as well. So Yes, it sells books. I it's a fact. I've seen it in my DMs, in my, you know, comment section of I bought the book because you posted about it. So please post the, your favorite books for authors. I am going to embrace that idea wholeheartedly and again, your book that's coming out, Michelle Glagovic's book is coming out um, or is, is out. It's out. It's January. It's a whole new year. So grab it. How to get on podcasts. And we also talked a little bit earlier about services. So why don't we end the interview with you telling us about the services that you provide for authors and where they can find you and your book? <laughs> Thank you. See, that's the whole part at the end of every interview that you get to promote yourself. Um, I create podcast book tours for authors where I do read the full book of every author that is a client. I create a media kit for them. And it's not only a one page authors get, it's basically a six page media kit that includes everything about the author, but also about the book, a synopsis, all of the stats and details on the book. And then I create unique speaking topics with them. We have an hour long Zoom where we discuss how did they become an author? Why did they want to become an author? What aspects of the book are real life that they're more than happy to talk about? So that way I get to know them too. And we create topics around that, not simply around the book. And then I research podcasts that are a good fit, pitch them, and then we track them as well so that when they go live, we add them to a Spotify playlist. We get a transcript, identify quotes that the author can use for their social media content. So we do a lot of the work for the authors. So that way you just copy and paste into the graphic that you should have already had, you know, a template for. Um, But I do those. We work together for about three or four months, usually before the launch of a book, but A book sale is a book sale whenever it happens is what I say. So sometimes it has already been a few years and I work with an author or the book has already come out. The timing doesn't really matter, but plan on at least three months of working together. Uh, And then you can find me at the mlgcollective.com or michelleglogovac.com. I'm also on all the social media platforms. Uh, With the launch of the book, I did 50 tips on how to get on podcasts, which is on TikTok, threads, and my Instagram reels. So you can find me on any of the platforms and reach out. If you have a question, I'm more than happy to answer it. Review your materials, let you know what I think, you know, is is winning and, and what you can improve upon as well. I'm more than happy to do it. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. And I hope you'll come back because I have lots more questions. I would love to. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Michelle. And you are listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold.